Hey there, lady. My name is Molly Conley, and I'm devoted to helping women reinvent their love lives, whether that's after divorce, dating on and off the apps, or in their committed relationship. Why? Because I've been there. I'm a former college athlete who filed for divorce three years into marriage, swam in the online dating pool into my late 30s, and now I am married to the man of my spreadsheet dreams who I met four months before the world shut down. As a dating and relationship coach, I help my clients shift the focus from being obsessed with finding Mr. Right to shifting to herself as Miss Right Now. We build a foundation filled with clarity, connection, and confidence, knowing she is worth waiting for. Each week on the podcast, I'll bring you love life insights and savvy guests where you will receive the courage to release programmed limiting beliefs. Discover patterns and behaviors restricting you from finding and attracting quality men and ways to choose yourself first so you can build a foundation for a healthy relationship with yourself and a partner. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to another Couch Conversation with my husband, Brad. Hello. Glad to be back here and be able to share our experiences with you guys. Awesome. So before we get started, I wanted to say that this conversation is not only our opinion, but our own experiences. And I'll be sharing more stats and research as well. So today we are going to be talking about the good old Midwestern mindset of getting married straight out of college. To start it off, I wanted to share the average age for marriage for women over the last several decades. In the 1950s, which is 73 years ago, the average age was 20. Then in the 1980s, when I was born about 40 years ago, the average age was 22. Now, if you've listened to any of my recent podcasts, you may have heard me share this next one. As of 2023, the average age for a woman to get married is 29. In the past 40 to 50 years, there has been quite an advancement for women, such as entering the workforce other than teachers, nurses, or administrative assistants, the opportunity to have a bank account and a credit card, and to own property like a house or a car without having your husband or their fathers put their name on it. Instead of women going to college for Mrs. degrees, they're actually using their education to have a career. This makes sense since a four-year college degree costs only a third of what it costs to raise a child for 18 years. And if you want to know that stat, as of 2022, it costs over $300,000 in the United States to raise one child. This is to raise a child with basic needs, so no extra school activities, sports, private school, trendy clothes, or cell phones. So if you were worried about the cost of eggs or gas in the past nine to 12 months, that stat about the cost of raising one child until 18 years might shock you. Now, if this is your first time listening, both Brad and I were previously married to other people, but at different stages of our lives. The idea of getting married for me was on my mind quite a bit when I was in college. I had a serious boyfriend who I honestly thought was going to be the one And after three years, we broke up and I transferred to a different college. Ironically, I never really thought about getting married again until I met my ex-husband, which was four years later. So what about you, Brad? 
Well, my experience was in my sophomore year of college, I was dating someone long distance um, and I'd actually known them for several years. We had been very good friends and, and developed a serious relationship and started dating. And um, I was away at college and she was back in Omaha. And we really talked seriously about getting married uh, after college. She, and she was even going to go to a different college. We were talking about dating long distance for the next three or four years uh, while we both got our degrees and, th and then getting married. Um, and it was just uh, looking back on that, it's just hard to believe that, that that's something that we were seriously thinking. Obviously, it didn't work out, you know, with, within a, a year of us dating, you know, things happened. We went our separate ways. And I just realized now, looking back on it, the things you enjoyed about a girlfriend or friends or, or, or the type of life you have in college may change after you're out of school. And when you actually want to find a serious relationship, I, I don't think I knew sophomore year in college, what a serious relationship as an adult might look like. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, the, the things that seem fun about, you know, a, a person that you're with in college, you may grow out of, you know, and even find annoying or even unattractive a few years after that. Um, I mean, because looking back at the same person that I, that I dated and, and was in love with, and I, you know, I, I will say that, uh, looking at where she is at now, we are very, very, very different. Yeah. And you're still friends with her though, right? Like technically or acquaintances, Facebook friends, you know, that side of group. Well, not even anymore. Oh, okay. And, 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 and that's why, because I, I kept, you know, I'd see her stuff every once in a while. I'm like, man, I just cannot even believe because I have changed so much since then. And she hasn't looking back, you know, because we don't back then in those kind of relationships, we didn't talk about current events or politics. I mean, granted there wasn't as much right. kind of controversial stuff going on, but you don't get into the details of who each other are nearly as much as when there's things going on around you that cause you to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've grown changed, you know, from conservative to, to liberal independent and just my views on a lot of things have changed and, and, and hers haven't. And I just like think about, okay, if, if we even had managed to get to the next few years in college in a relationship and gotten married, I mean, we would have been divorced within a couple of years. I mean, there's no mm. question. Um, it would have been weird because I, I think I was going to grow one way or another. Inevitably, I, I think I would have changed. I don't think I could have stayed that same person I was in, in, uh, in that type of relationship with a person like that. Well, yeah, that makes sense. If I married that man that I was talking about um, that I dated, I would be living in a very small town in the middle of Nebraska more than likely, or maybe it would be even Lincoln, Nebraska, but I wouldn't be making as much money as I had, like when I was doing my full-time gigs, you know, at the same time frame, um, like right after college, let alone the next few years. And I probably wouldn't even have a job that I really cared for. And even though he was really nice, I think the relationship would have become more like a roommate or a friend situation versus a healthy, loving relationship. But you know, those years after college are the most important. And for me, I never had a break. I met my ex-husband just as I was finishing up my BFA and I was thinking of going to graduate school. He convinced me to stay in Omaha and proposed after four months. Back then I was, I was, you know, obviously really excited, but it was a horrible idea. There was so much that we didn't know about ourselves to make realistic decisions and have a healthy relationship. Everything from, you know, budgeting, health insurance, taking care and fixing a home, owning a pet, expectations from in-laws, having friends outside of each other, going on vacation, even to like 
how we spend our time separately or health in general, like eating healthy, staying active, or even reducing our alcohol consumption. We never thought about it. We, you know, we thought we could just wing it and learn as we go. Honestly, that didn't allow me time or the space to really get to know myself enough to make these sort of decisions. Plus, just throwing this neuroscience in here for you, the prefrontal cortex of our brain doesn't fully develop until age 25 or sometimes even a little bit later. And this is the part of the brain that makes rational decisions. And part of rational decision-making includes self-awareness, which also impacts emotional intelligence. In our teen years, what we experience and learn has a greater impact on our decision-making, our relationship to self, and how we want to be perceived by others. Plus, who we surround ourselves with is a huge, has a huge impact on our decision-making, and the who that we are most influenced by are, is our parents, not our peers. And for the younger listeners, well, younger, younger than me, social media contributes to that significantly. Okay, so now back to the you know, talk of previous marriage. Uh, one area that, really, that I really never thought would be an issue would be living with a partner. Personally, I was used to living on my own. Even in college, I quit the idea of having roommates when I was like, I don't know, around 20. But I never thought living with a man would be different, except it was. I constantly cleaned and picked up after him. I like he had never fully lived alone and his parents helped him so much with so many different things. And it drove me crazy. I got married to have a lifelong partner, not to be a maid or a mother to what a lot of people like to call a man child. So Brad, what about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I talk about this, you know, often with different people and I feel pretty strongly about it that, that everybody, my, my opinion is everybody should live alone for maybe a couple years a after college. Um, Cause I, I just think it's, it helps so much uh, just to learn who you are and how to, how to, how you want to be, how do you want to run your, your own household? How, what are your habits? What do you, what do you like instead of trying to have to have roommates all the time and deal with roommates like like you said i had a i had a roommate like that in college who mm -hmm. came in and um he was used to his mom cleaning up after him and he kept that same behavior and so we were always cleaning up after him and it was it was not fun but so yeah i, I had roommates in college but right after college i lived by myself and I, I moved away to another state for my first job i mean i had no desire to have roommates i wanted this i wanted some freedom some peace and quiet some freedom some solitude and, and it was great i mean um you know, my thought is, you know, you, you think you're kind of independent in college because you're away from your parents, but, you know, you're always with, you know, with friends or living with roommates, you know, whether it's an apartment, dorm, you know, or fraternity or sorority house. Um, I think you need to experience being on your own uh, to support yourself, to live by yourself. Like I said, to see how you like to live by yourself, because I think you, you do learn a lot. You, mm -hmm. you will learn about yourself living on your own, um, things that you didn't know before. Um, I will you know, say real quick though, like times have changed. It was way easier to live alone when we were mm -hmm. younger. And I know it's financially might not be feasible, but this is also, if you're going to do it to really think about who you are freaking living with. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Not something I've thought of because I think I've told you before, back when I graduated and got my first apartment, I got a two bedroom apartment for $450 a month. Where were you living? That was Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> um, 
but it was kind of, it was a nice at that time. Yes, that was you know twenty three years ago. So that that's an excellent point. But again, I'm just giving you know my advice would definitely be find a way uh, to live on your own if if you have the means. Um, I did have a pretty good job too. I know I know that did yeah, help. Yeah, that did. Um, but you know I know I knew people who got together in, in college and, and stayed together all through college and and um, got married and then. I guess these are people I met later in life, but knew they had gotten together in college and yeah. found out, you know, that, that, uh, that woman was just pretending during college to, to like the things that he liked so she could have a boyfriend so they could get married and they ended up having a child and then they ended up getting divorced because at the time that, that me and my now ex-wife had met them and started hanging out with them, you could tell it was apparent. They were such different people. We were both like, how did these two even get together? And that's kind of when the whole story was uncovered. Yeah. In college, it was great. And they met and they had fun. And then they, they graduated, got jobs and she kind of just reverted to a the person that she was and, and they didn't mesh at all. And it was obvious from hanging out with them probably the first day, you know, mm. the first night, the first time I hung out with them, I was like, I don't, I don't get this. And, you know, I know sometimes that happens with certain people, but even it, the more and more we hung out with, there was never any moment where I thought, oh, okay. And maybe I, I see how, how the relationship works. It was always like, I just don't see why they're together. And eventually they weren't. Well, and that makes sense because, um, my ex-husband lied to me constantly about the things that he liked. And then one of my examples is that I wanted a long time ago to have a trip to go to Napa. And he was like, oh yeah, I really love wine and blah, blah, blah. And he would try to impress me with things. And even, you know, this is really funny. I wanted to have a man that would want to go and enjoy the outdoors, including camping. And he said, oh, I love camping. And when we got married and I was talking about going, he's like, oh, well, yeah, camping. We go outside and we have a fire and then we go get a hotel room. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like he he couldn't handle the idea of like sleeping in a tent, even let alone like if we were to go fishing. He's like, I can't even think about putting um, a worm on a hook. And I was like, are you, I can't even fathom why I got married to you. So a lot of the things that, you know, you have to even gut check who you're talking to. Sometimes if you get that feeling that this person might be lying to you, like you need to hold out. And I was just way too, oh, yay, we're so, so in common. And it's like, no, you are just trying to be in a relationship with someone and, you know, people please. Yeah. Cause you could probably find out if you guys had enough conversations or you learned about it each other enough that he'd never been camping camping before or didn't like fishing you know like me, you me. had camping stories fishing stories tons of stuff to talk about i think probably even that first date we talked about well we talked outdoor stuff for sure we talked about so much stuff yeah so and i know I we mean, talked about that kind of stuff we forgot and, about dinner because it was cool that, yeah because <laughs> i knew it was cool that, that you liked to fish and you had been fishing and, mm. and caught fish and baited your own hooks and stuff and i told you about my experience with daddy's fishing girl and, here yeah so um yeah so it's a good point like Stop and think about not just what, what they're saying, you know, if they, somebody tells you something, think of, you know, if you really want to know, dig a little, dig a little deeper. Don't just take, Surface take their level. word for it. Yeah. I would even <laughs> say like, don't do what I did, which was get married, like getting engaged wow. after four months. Like that was ridiculous. That's yeah. That's pretty quick. I mean, I, I would, I would say well, my parents quick. got engaged within three months. So well, like I was a rep, which will be part of the next conversation <laughs> we're about to have, but like. You go exactly. ahead and talk about, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. stuff that, that is a good segue. Out. But I mean, I will say, you know, so I didn't, I didn't get married, you know, my story before when I sophomore in college, obviously, you know, like 20, 21 years old, um, or 19 or 20. And then, um, 
I was single until I was 29, basically no, no real like long, long-term relationships to date a little bit. So I didn't get married for the first time until I was 29. I look back at all the experiences I had between the age of 21 and 29 and, you know, you know, thank myself, you know, every day that I didn't get married. I mean, yeah, it would probably have been good to have a relationship or, or two <laughs> through that time, but I got to do so much cool stuff and travel and see things and just experience life on my own that, and work and yeah. And work. I had a couple of different jobs at that point. You had, I had built up your career, great jobs. Yeah. You know, got great work experience. Um, you know, I learned, you know, a ton about myself, obviously. And, and even, you know, looking back now, even when I was 29 and then, you know, the opportunity that, you know, presented itself to get married or so I thought I, I did feel pressure like, Oh, I'm 29. That's well, right. now it's about time, you know, to get married and, and so that played a little bit into it, but at least I felt that I wasn't too young. I wasn't, you know, I had done a lot of stuff and I was ready to be in a relationship and be married because um, there just would have been a lot of things I would have been able to, been able to have done. And yes, you get to do stuff when you're married together, but mm. there's, I did a lot of stuff by myself that's, that was Made you great. who you are. Yeah, that made me who I am and like was fun by myself. And yes, I wouldn't have been able to do if I was married at that time. One thing I want to bring up too, like, I know that you, men and women get to have very different experiences and, and I'm not going to talk about the pressure part. I'm going to be talking about the career part. If you get married, whenever you get married and have a baby, your earning potential, no matter what people want to tell you, it does decrease. Your career path becomes stagnant at certain points in time. And especially in corporate, depending on where you work. Even in the state of Nebraska, it's a, you know, higher and fire for whatever reason. Of course, they don't have to tell you in the state of Nebraska what that is. And I know women that got pregnant, had a baby, had their maternity leave and come back at a tech company and get laid off because the advancement in the technology of what they had, like systems changed in three to four months and they couldn't pick it up in two weeks. And it was horrible to see these women get let go. But also knowing that like there's women that go to college and get married right after and you can't have a career if you decide right away to have a baby. Like there's things where people will say, and I know that this is such a spinoff of what we were talking about, but like there are corporations that obviously still operate like it's the 1980s, 1990s and early thousands where it's like, oh, since she has kids now, we can't count on her to be an executive, or we can't count on her to manage a team, or we can't count her on this because she's going to have to take kids to school, drop them off, go to after school things. And this is part of the reason why then men that have kids or are mar and married and have kids, that those companies are like, oh, we need to make sure that we give him opportunities. And I know that sounds so, I don't even want to say feminist or like anti anything, but it's sadly how corporations have been. So it's something to think about too. Like, where do you really want your career path to be? And yes, getting married is not probably going to impact it too much, but getting married and doing the next thing of having a kid is going to impact it no matter what you want to believe or not until, you know, the systems change in my opinion, or you have a company that you work for that is very forward thinking and maybe is even female owned and operated. That would be highly ideal. So sorry to go off on a tangent about this, but um, now we're going to get into the thing that I know that we both are on the same page about, and I brought it up earlier, earlier, but let's talk about how our parents or even past generations influence our decisions to get married. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you brought it up earlier when I, you know, I made the point about, you know, your short engagement and you said, oh, my parents were engaged for a few months. And, <laughs> and back then that happened. And I think, you know, I even rewind farther back than that, how it was so simple to get engaged, you know, a hundred years ago, because Hundreds. there's less, because there's just less things around you in the world to have opinions on and, mm. and fewer differences to uncover between people. It was like, oh, well, you're about my age and, and, and you like this and that, and we should get married or, you know, we have this in common or we just feel this connection right away because there were, there were fewer harder conversations and fewer issues to discuss and just few, the, the, the distance between people's, you know, opinions and personalities was, was, was far less than it is now. Right. Now they were separated by so much now. There's so much, so much stuff going on. And information on in the world. is coming at us faster. Yes. I mean, yeah, we can learn about things so quickly. So, I mean, it's just a fact life was simpler back then. And so you didn't need as much time to figure out that, oh, this person's probably the one. And for a lot of people that, that did work out, but unfortunately I think that, you know, we, we've been conditioned by the, you know, the past generations that we must get married young because that's what our parents and, and grandparents did back then. But as you, you know, said those stats before, that's not what's happening. That's not happening anymore because people are learning that it's better to wait a little bit. Um, you know, and back then that was a better option and sometimes the only option for couples and especially women, kind of like you talk about, who had very few options or even legal rights, like you said, yeah, um, like having a bank account or owning a home or a car. So they had to get married young. They were okay with getting married young because it, they thought that was the step that was required for them to become somebody more in the world. Yeah. They had to have a husband. So that was just, that was just always conditioned, you know, in the fifties and sixties, you know, forties, fifties, what women had to do. That was their place. I mean, it was, there's just no question on it. You know, obviously now things have, have, have changed radically, but thankfully, yeah. But I, I think that did lead, you know, even as, is is uh, you know, as uh, far back as the baby boomer generation, a lot of them got, you know, got married very young. They had kids very young. But you look at probably the divorce rate for that that generation is, is pretty on par with, you know, modern day divorce rates, I, I believe, um, that they, because they realized they just didn't have as much in common. And Actually, they I don't together. agree with that. I think it's less it's because less. a lot of like what you were going to say, too, about how they didn't believe in divorce. There's a lot of people. Well, yeah. I mean, I know people that are only like maybe 20 years older than us that have stayed together just because of the kids. and that actually teaches children depending on why they stayed together. Um, you know, like let's say there was an abuse in the family and they stayed together because of whatever reason, um, the kids are going to say that this is what a normal marriage looks like. The abuse, whether that's emotionally, physical, mentally, or even just like financial abuse, meaning like not being able to financially afford to get away. Like there's so many reasons why our previous generations have stayed together. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to include that in here. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess I was kind of making a point against <laughs> against what I was saying is that <laughs> they, they didn't get divorced. They just stayed together and remained unhappy. Um, and I think that was just a, a, a common trend back then, um, especially when kids were involved um, of just, yeah, they didn't believe in divorce. You know, that wasn't that was an option. So they got married young. I think a lot of them realized they didn't want to be in a marriage, but didn't have a choice. So they just they just stayed together. So. I think obviously today, you know, both men and women are realizing that they do have a choice and they can, they can wait longer, have a career, start a career. And happiness and have, matters. Like yeah, yeah, happiness for yourself and happiness in a relationship really does matter. The, the focus on, yeah, mental health and, and, and thank God. Yeah. The mental health part of the relationship is, you know, obviously 
it's becoming bigger, you know, these days and, and people are learning that uh, is important and you can have a healthy relationship, um, you know, instead of getting together and then, you know, you don't have to forsake your individual happiness um, for the others or, mm-hmm. you know, your, your children's like you can, you can wait to get married to someone that is your match and have a healthy relationship. You can have kids and have a career and, and have it all. But, you know, the, these people that got married young and had kids and then realized they were in a, in a bad marriage, um, you know, they relied a lot on their children to bring them happiness and, and kind of lived vicariously through them. Yeah. Then that kind of leads to a continuing cycle of kids feeling obligated to their parents and, 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 you know, being their only source of, of happiness. And there's a lot of family dynamics that, that go into that when, when the parents aren't happy um, yeah. and just staying together for the kids. And, you know, there's not, not much the kids can always do. Right. And that just sounds to me <laughs> exhausting, which kind of leads me to what to do before saying I do. Well, and there's a few things and it's going to depend on what you can do at the moment. So if it's financially feasible for you, kind of like what Brad said, live alone for at least a year. Do not live with your parents. Do not stay with friends. Do not have a boyfriend. Make space in your life for yourself. And if that's not feasible, try to take a trip by yourself for a week to do some real soul searching like to ask yourself what you really want. And I'm not meaning like go to a a place where another friend lives. I mean, literally go somewhere for a week and just experience if that's like going to a city by yourself, or if that's just going out into nature for a week by yourself to a place that's maybe even like, if you like camping, maybe it's going someplace to camp that's only like two hours away, but just someplace for yourself to really see and get to know you with being alone. Um, and if you can't do either of those schedule time to be alone and work through these two questions. First, if no one else in your life existed, what would you want to do for yourself? For example, maybe you feel pressured to continue to work within the same field as other family members, but you feel most like yourself when you're doing something completely different. Or maybe you would sell all of your belongings and travel to the other side of the world for, you know, six months. And then number two, if no one's feelings would be hurt or arguments would occur, what would you share with those closest to you in order to be living in your full self? So maybe your parents have been extremely persistent about you staying in the religion that you were raised in but you either found something else or you don't care to practice it any longer. Or let's say it's a current partner. You have realized you two have differences that aren't sustainable for a long-term healthy relationship. So starting here with these two questions can help you remove the influence of the influence of others at the surface level. But if you need to go deeper, there's, um, there's other ways that you can do that by like exploring your limiting beliefs other mental blocks and self-sabotaging behaviors so that you can have a better connection and belong to yourself first, which will help you and your romantic relationships in the future. But exploring is only going to get you so far. Having someone to help you hold you accountable and be by your side as you continue to move forward is what will allow you to have the progress that you are looking for. 
and I can be your accountability partner. Go to the show notes and review your options for one-on-one coaching if that interests you. Brad, do you have anything to add before we end our conversation today? Uh, nothing to add. I'll just say that I, I think this is something we obviously feel very strongly about, you know, with everything we've said. And I think it's it's a pretty serious issue that can it can affect the rest of your life. And and I'm not I'm not telling people to not get engaged, you know, early in life, maybe, um, but just be conscious of taking some time to get to know yourself and develop yourself before moving from your parents' house to the dorm or sorority or fraternity house into your spouse's house or moving in with a a spouse. I mean, or significant significant other. Yeah. Sorry. Significant other. You know, I I think just it's important to find some, some way to take time with yourself and learn about yourself um, before you do get married. And if you end up getting married young, okay, that's fine. But I think think it's really important to take some steps to get to know yourself and, 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 um, you know, be sure that that's something you want to do. Yeah. And we're not also saying that you can't grow together, but if you have been married for one or two years and it's already rocky, and if one person's not willing to participate in making it, like if both people are not willing to do the work to make it a healthy relationship, I will be honest with you, it will not last. Yeah, It's sad to say, but then you're either going to be forcing yourself to stay in a marriage that is never going to be happy like for you, you're never going to feel like you can be who you are without having some sort of disagreement or repercussions, like in some way. Um, that was my personal experience. But I will also say that I wish I would have looked up this stat and I will put it in the show notes or I might even record this extra. Um, the stat, the specific percentage of women and men who get married before their 30s is their divorce rate is higher than any other age group in the United States. This sadly does take into account the baby boomers that have stayed together just because they do not believe in divorce. So it is something to take very seriously and to think about. And if for some reason your parents were people that got married in their early 20s and they aren't happy, use that for your own information to make sure that you have a better marriage than they do. My parents got married when my dad was 32 and my mom was 28 or 29. And so they were really late at the time frame. Like they met at a friend's college party um, that they knew in college. So for me, like I still knew that my parents got married at a really young age in my head, but it's nothing like some of these kids that are getting married right after college. Like walking across the graduation floor and taking your degree and then being like, we're getting married this summer. Like, are you kidding me? Grow, learn, enjoy yourself. That's what your whole life's about. Absolutely. Okay, ladies, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify because it's going to help other women like yourself find the show. All right, ladies, talk to you next week. Okay, ladies, I promised you that I would come back and share a stat, and I'm going to include this link in the show notes. So if you wanted to look at this more, because there's quite a few stats in there, but for people who get married between the ages of 20 and 25, there's a 44 to 60% chance of the union ending in divorce. And this varies obviously because it's by state, um, but these stats confirm that the couple's age at the time of marrying impacts divorce rates. However, the rate of just 25%, um, so the rate for divorce is only 25% for those who marry after the age of 25. All right, ladies, enjoy the rest of your day, and I will talk to you next week.
Have vacation on your mind? Yeah, me too. Catching some rays while having a little R&R is what I'm talking about. Some summer fun sounds great, as long as it doesn't include the side effects from boozy beverages. You know, the headaches, the dehydration, the horrible night's sleep, the hangover, and whatever else may come your way. Instead, try one of my favorite alcohol replacements called Moment. It's a botanical water, either still or sparkling, with no artificial flavors, no caffeine, and no added sugar. Instead, they have refreshing flute flavors, healthy botanicals, and adaptogens. Some of my favorite flavors include blueberry ginger, spiced mango, and blood orange. Plus, I find them refreshing while hanging out poolside, by the beach, or lounging at the lake. If you want to give them a try, use my promo code reinventingthearena at checkout for 15% off. The link is in the show notes.